morning, everyone. <laughs> I promised Lynn I'd be in my pyjamas today, but I'm not. <laughs> so if I was going to have a late night, it was pyjama day, and we're all going to be in pyjamas, but it turns out I got dressed. <laughs> all right, um, so we're going to go through the passage that, I, um, that Jimmy read, which was in Hebrews. But before I start, I'm going to um, look at a few little statistics because... We all know I'm a nurse and I like numbers, so I'm going to bring up some numbers. Now, these statistics that I'm going to bring up, these have all been gathered from the Beyond Blue website. Um, and it, the reason why I'm starting off like this is to try and sort of put into context as to why I feel this topic is important, um, which is the concept of rest and then recharging through God's rest. All right. One in seven Australians will experience depression in their lifetime. So let's break that down. That's 15% of Australians aged between 16 and 85 have experienced this, which is equivalent to 2.83 million people today. One quarter of Australians experience an anxiety condition in their lifetime. Breaking it down, 26.3% of Australians aged between 16 and 85 have experienced an anxiety disorder. So this is equivalent to 4.96 million people today. One in 16 Australians are currently experiencing depression. So that's 6.2% between the age of 16 and 85. Um, have experienced it within the last 12 months. So this is an equivalent to 1.16 million. One in seven Australians are currently experiencing anxiety, breaking it down. 14.4% of Australians aged between 16 and 85 experiencing an anxiety disorder in the last 12 months. This is equivalent to 2.71 million people. One in six Australians are currently experiencing depression or anxiety or both. So that's 17% of Australians aged between 16 and 85 have experienced this in the last 12 months, which is 3.2 million people. One in eight Australians are currently experiencing high or very high psychological distress. So breaking that down, in 2017 to 2018, around one in eight, so 13% or 2.4 million Australians aged 18 and over experience high or very high psychological distress, which is an increase from 2014 to 2015, which was 11.7%. So we've gone from 11.7 up to 13%. I also found that in 2020 to 2021, one of the top 10 most commonly prescribed medications was a drug called sertraline, which is um, commonly known as um, Zoloft. So that made eighth place. It's used as an antidepressant or maintenance of mental balance, thus sort of validating that these statistics have some truth to them. Now, like anything else that hangs around long enough, Anxiety, stress, depression, any of this has a list of um, side effects and symptoms that can be associated with it. So we've got digestive problems, headaches, muscle tension and pain, heart disease, heart attack, high blood pressure, stroke, sleep problems, weight gain, memory and concentration impairment. 
So here's another one for you, though. I looked at another statistic, and this came from the 2021 census. So in the census revealed that 43.9% of Australians call themselves Christian. So that's 43.9%, which is a rather high statistic. And when we're having a look at those other statistics, there's quite a few of us out there who are obviously struggling. When there's, you know, less, just under 50% of us are Christians, and then all those other percentages are saying that we're all sort of hitting that struggle, anxiety, depression sort of problem. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I sort of wanted to look into this, and I believe that um, we can sort of find a rational or an answer how to uh, rectify this through this passage today. So in Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 1 to 12, um, the breakdown of what it means to enter into God's promise and therefore rest, um, recharge through rest. So within those 12 verses... Um, the word rest or rested has been mentioned 15 times. So in 12 verses, there's 15 times that the, the author has mentioned the word rest or rested. Now, when something is mentioned more than once in the Bible, it's sort of like a, hey, take note. This is something I want you to sort of absorb, take in um, and sort of understand now, let's have a look at what the, the dictionary itself says the word rest is. So it refers to refreshing quiet or repose of sleep, a good night's rest. And like um, Robin sort of mentioned, a lot of us didn't get that last night. So a refreshing ease or an inactivity of exertional labour to allow an hour for rest. I can't remember the last time I had an hour of rest, but anyway... The verb, to refresh oneself as by sleeping, lying down or relaxing, to relieve weariness by cessation or exerting of labour. To give rest, to refresh um, with rest or to rest oneself. To lay in a place for rest, ease or support, to rest one's back against a tree. Um, to direct as the eyes, so to rest one's eyes against someone to base or let dependent on some ground or resilience, to bring to rest, halt or to stop. But what does God mean when he refers to the word rest or resting? All right, so let's start with verses 1 to 3. So 1 to 3 begins by stating that God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we believe, for only we who believe can enter his rest. And as for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. So let's give a little context of where that's sort of coming from. That's, um, if we look back in Numbers um, 13 to 14, we're looking at um, the Israelites, Moses is with them, and they've seen the promised land, um, and Moses sends out 12 scouts and says, all right, I want you to go check out the land, um, tell us what it's like before we go and sort of enter it. So these men took 40 days um, before returning, and they gave an account as to what they've seen and what they kind of got. 
Um, on the one hand, I were making statements like, yes, this land is everything we've ever wanted. We've got grapes like this. We've got food, you know, the milk and honey statement that you always hear. It's, it's in abundance. Land that we would be easily be able to set up our farming and, and get comfortable with, um, build our community. Everything that God's ever promised is right there for us. However, then they turned around and said, um, the people are huge. They're powerful. They are giants. They are far bigger than what we can ever handle or deal with. Like we are just slaves. This is too much for us. I don't think what God is offering us is anything that we'd be able to overcome with what is there facing us. Now, there were two, um, Caleb and Joshua, who did try and encourage and say, no, 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 you know, look, God has gotten us this far. He's done all this. It's okay, we can get through. But unfortunately, out of the 12, 10 of them went and they caused a little bit of gossip around the group and and they've turned around and said, no, we can't do it. So everyone was in an uproar and um, they started crying out and they wanted to, you know, they wanted to go back to being slaves, to where it was easy, something that they knew for them. They wanted to, um, you know, even though it was horrible conditions, they were comfortable with it because it was familiar to them. They had not sat back and thought, hey, you know, like we've taken on Pharaoh, we've gone through a sea that's been parted for us, um, all these other sort of little roadblocks, they, they didn't consider that at all. Um, they, they just wanted to go back to what they knew. So... I just sort of want to sort of put into a little bit of context. Imagine if one of your pets or children, I'm going to say pets or children because some are parents and some are pets, you know, parents to pets, are in an awful situation. For example, your child goes out on a bike, doesn't wear a helmet, has a head injury, you go to hospital, you know, you're up all night with them, making sure they're not having a concussion or anything like that. Your older child gets their licence, gets really excited, goes and gets a speeding ticket, loses their licence, then you've got to take them to and from work every day for a while. Or if we've got pets, they want to get out, they run out, they run into a barbed wire fence, they scratch themselves up thousands of dollars later at the vets and you're giving anybody ointment and nurturing these. Or in our case, we have a little dog who decides that she wants to jump on and off the trampoline and tears all the ligaments and everything. So, you know, then for the next few weeks we're nurturing this dog and going, mm, you finally get it all fixed up and then they turn around and do the same thing all over again. And our dog does jump off the trampoline again. And if she does her ligaments again, I'm not taking it to the vet. But, you know, you can imagine as a parent or as a person who's just got them out of that situation, it's taken a lot of time, money and effort to fix this and they've turned around and gone and done it again. You just, I don't know about you, but I go, I'm done. Not my problem. Like, so... I can only imagine, you know, how frustrated God would have been feeling. And his response was rather similar. He was frustrated and angry. Um, and so in his anger, he took this oath. And, and might I state, when God makes an oath or a promise, he's not like us parents who will kind of go, oh, you know, you've been really good for a week. We'll just kind of let it go. God's like, nah, like I'm not backing down. <laughs> So God made this oath to the Israelites that would never enter the place of rest, the land that would have provided 
their every need, allowed them to be free from their slavery, provide them with riches beyond all that they could have dreamt of. Um, but because of their lack of faith and trust in God, they instead spent the next 40 years wandering in that desert and they died in that desert. Um, and, you know, they never got to experience what God could have provided for them and what he had offered them and promised them. Are there any of you out there who've got fears and obstacles that are stopping you from entering into God's rest? What, would, what should we really be more afraid of? The consequences of what God's going to do if we, uh, you know, don't listen to him and, and don't take that leap of faith? Or should we be, you know, afraid of the fact that we're continuously staying in this stagnant section and we're going to die in the desert like the Israelites did, basically? Um, you know, and come under that same oath um, that the Israelites did and that they were never able to enter into God's rest. All right, let's move on to verse 4 where it reads, We know it is ready because of the place in the Scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. Once again, let's look a little deeper into the context of where this sort of comes from. This is stemming from Genesis around chapter 2, 2 and 3, where it says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all of his creation. Let's back it up a little bit. So the creator of everything, everything rested. Um, It's kind of like when the mums of the house go, you know what, I'm done my day's worth. I'm going to go sit on the couch, have a cup of tea and I'm just going to rest. It just doesn't happen. I don't know about you guys, but... We're known to just keep going and going and going and going. Um, But it did. And it was important enough that it was documented in the Bible for our reference to go back to, reminding us of this fact that God, the creator of everything, gave us an example of what to do once we have completed our work, and that's to rest. Not only did the Lord give us this opportunity and gave us that example, but he also put so much emphasis on it that he blessed that day. God made that day holy. God blessed the day of rest. Therefore, when we partake in the day of rest that God gave us, we come into his holy blessing. But hang on. God made an oath stating that we will never enter his place of rest. And like I mentioned before... God doesn't break his promises. So we seem to have a bit of a contradiction happening here. Let's carry on to verse 6 where it kind of gives us that little bit more. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So remembering they're talking about the Israelites. So because they disobeyed God, they were unable to go and have that rest. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God 
For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labours, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. The contradiction becomes a little more clearly here in verse 9 and 10. We are eligible to still be a part of God's rest, the kind he blessed back when he created the earth, when he made that seventh day, and he blessed that seventh day and everything in it. However, we must not disobey, just as the Israelites were. You know the good old saying, history repeats itself? Um, Well, God has given us a pretty detailed description of the cost of disobedience and lack of faith. He's also given us a taste and a promise of the blessing we gain when we obey and trust him um, that he will provide the rest that we require. Let's take a look at the remaining two verses, 11 and 12. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Because of the disobedience and unbelief, the Israelites did not enter the rest that God had promised them. They treated the promise of God with disdain and paid little heed to his word. Today, like them, we are called to give diligence to enter into God's rest, but we are also warned not to astray in our hearts as they did. Now, I came across this little story about Amanda, um, which I found was quite relevant for today. So Amanda had more to do in her life than there were hours left to do them. She tried to fall asleep Um, but sleep wouldn't come. And I don't know about you, but that happens to me every second night, basically. (laughs) Amanda would stress about the small things like washing the dishes, taking out the rubbish, finishing an email, to the bigger issues. Amanda's financial situation also weighed heavily on her mind. She had lost her job and money was tight. Um, The load, it all threatened to crush her. Amanda got up and tiptoed to the edge of the nursery where her baby brother slept sweetly, if it's a good baby. (laughs) Um, baby Jeremy didn't feel any of the pressure she did Uh, he didn't know what tomorrow held he just knew his parents would take care of him Amanda laughed as she tried to picture how worried baby Jeremy would be if he knew all that he needed tomorrow he needed so many things he couldn't possibly get for himself after all he was just a baby and babies can't dress themselves or fix themselves breakfast if he knew all he needed the next day and and felt the impossibility of getting it, um, would he say um, what she would be saying, that there was no way would he, be, would he be staying up late and fretting too? How silly would that be? Baby Jeremy had parents who lovingly took care of all of his needs. He didn't need to understand his needs would all be met, it was enough to know his parents would take care of him. Amanda stopped short in her train of thought. Didn't she have a heavenly father caring for her too? A smile suddenly illuminated her face and a weight fell from her shoulders. She could curl up and rest, even without answers, just like baby Jeremy, confident her heavenly father had it all under control. 
This year, Pastor Keith wanted us to start the year off with this new concept of being recharged. How are we able to recharge when our batteries are constantly running on empty all the time? The clue is in verse 12, for it states, God's word is alive and powerful and readily available for us. From the beginning of time, when the Lord created the holy day of rest, right up until today, the Lord himself has been calling us into his rest. We are called to remain in him, to abide in him, to rest in him and to submit to him, to depend utterly and entirely upon him and therefore recharge when we start to experience that promised rest he has for us. All right, I'd just like to pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for today and everyone that's here um, joining us today, Lord Jesus. I just want to pray as the new year starts um, that we do start to have a renewed strength and recharging and refreshing, Lord, and that we learn to lean more on you, Heavenly Father, than, than of our own strengths, Lord Jesus. And I just um, thank you for everyone here and just pray for each of them and each of their needs. I say these things in your name. Amen. Amen.